Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 3790 After Dark. I'm your host, John Booth, and I'm here with Jacob Grinstead. We were going to tell you a really funny story. We're going to save it for next week. We're going to tell you an even funnier story, and that is we got about 26 minutes into this podcast and realized we weren't recording. <laughs> so, here we go. We're live. Starting over. <laughs> we are starting over. <laughs> Second time. Actually, in this case, third time is the charm. Y'all missed some good stuff, too. It was great. Yeah, but we're going to try to give it to you all again. We are talking about becoming a new creation in Christ. If you remember last week, we talked about sanctification, and the week before, we talked about justification. Jacob, let's start with a little bit of what being a new creation means, then we'll read the verses. Yeah, so we are, um, John Michael just got engaged. I myself got married about three months ago, so we both just got through the uh, shopping for rings and looking at the diamonds, learning a lot about diamonds, even though both of us are jewelry guys, I would say. Um, that stuff interests us, um, but you, it's, it's shiny. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool though to, when you get a look at the diamond and they show you all the different angles of it through a microscope or through a loop, um, is what they call it. And, um, you get to see the true beauty behind that diamond. And that's what we're doing with our Christianity and with our salvation is we're taking the word of God, using it as a microscope and understand the true beauty behind our salvation. Um, so as you already said, we talked about justification sanctification, and now we are a new creation. And these three things are only through the salvation of, like, through Jesus Christ. Right. You, only re- you only have these if you are saved, right. if you've accepted Christ. Um, so now we are on a new creation. Um, we have about four points that we're going to talk about of what we receive that is new. Um, and we're wanting to give you biblical evidence of those. We don't want to just give you points and not really. Yeah, don't take our word for it. <laughs> yeah, don't take our word for it. Take the words of God for it. Uh, so, John Michael, you can read us in. Um, I always let John Michael read because he doesn't stutter like I stutter. So, right. right. We're going to dive right in here with Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new create creature. See, you said it. You man, had to say it. I jinxed you on that. I know. <laughs> if any man, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. So in the first run of tonight's episode, we were talking a lot in depth on this. I just kind of broke down the verse, and I was saying that if we go word by word here, therefore, if any man be in Christ, that means, as Jacob mentioned earlier, if you're saved, if you believe that Christ is the Son of God and died on the cross to save you from your sins, you've been born again, then he is a new creature, not just a new man, not just a new person, a new creature entirely, something totally different. The old things are passed away. Not only have they passed from you, not only have they died, but they've been pushed away. They've been pushed away from you. And behold, all things are become new. All things, including not just you as a person, but your thoughts, attitudes, beliefs, the way you see the world, all things have become new. And this only comes through accepting Jesus Christ. Right. And so, as you were saying, those old things are passed away. So, when you accept Jesus Christ, it should give you this huge affection for Jesus Christ. Because in accepting him, you understand the payment that he paid for you. Does that make sense? So it should give you this huge affection for Jesus Christ. And it should give you that affection, and it should cause you to even have action in that affection. Mm-hmm. When you truly love someone, it causes you to take action. It causes the people in the movies to jump in front of the bullet, or even people that have been overseas, save that friend, save that companion, save that fellow person in arms. Um, it causes you to take action. It, Jesus loved us, and it caused him to take action in dying for us. We love Jesus Christ, therefore it should cause us to ch- take action. Now that action 
is to take those old things that we used to be, those old things that we used to strive for and seek after, and we put them aside. They're passed away. Right. We no longer seek those things. We no longer do those things. We no longer want to be that because all these things have become new. It's like you are receiving a new life, like a start over. Nicodemus goes up to Jesus. He was a Nicodemus was a ruler of the Pharisees. Go to goes to Jesus by night and starts questioning him. And Jesus Christ Christ describes um, following after him and accepting him as being born again. And that's in essence what is happening. That's why Jesus explains it. You are being born again. It's kind of like you were starting your second life. Um, through Jesus. For everyone that was listening a couple of weeks ago, we talked about justification and that's sort of the first point tonight. In order for all this to happen, you have to have a new heart. Mm-hmm. So reading from Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, it says a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. So essentially what, what the verse is saying here is that God takes the stony heart, the hard heart out of us, puts in a heart of flesh, something that's soft, something that's malleable, and he implants his spirit into it. So not only does he give us the new heart, but he fills it up with his spirit. And what does that cause us to do? It causes us to walk in his statutes, so to follow after his ways, and it causes us to keep his judgments and do them. So like you were saying, it causes us to act yeah. on the things that God has commanded us to do, which entails not only our behavior, but also our purpose, which is to tell others about him. Yeah, and it starts that transformation process. So when we accept Christ, there has to be a transformation process. If When you accepted Christ, if you weren't radically transformed, then we might, <laughs> well, this is going to be harsh, but you might want to take a look. It. Yeah, you <laughs> might want to take a look at it Let's again. Take a look at it. Okay, um, so it starts that transformation, and that transformation can't happen from the outside in. It has to start with the inside out. And that's why God pursues your heart. Mm -hmm. God is actively pursuing your heart. Um, Being saved, you can still sin, but it's the love for Jesus that over time will bring the conviction and bring you out from the strongholds. So we're saved. We still sin. We still have strongholds. But it's our love for Jesus Christ that will continue to make us strive to get out of those sins, to stop doing that stop sinning, to stop with the strongholds, get rid of the strongholds. Our love for Jesus Christ is what will drive us to do that. Right. And it, it is that love comes from the new heart, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a verse in, in the word and forgive me for not giving the reference, but it says, clean ye first the inside of the cup and the outside too shall be clean. He's not expecting us to do the cleaning. Yes. You have to watch what you pour into your cup. Yes. You have to watch what you pour into your life after you've been saved. But the initial cleaning is done by Christ when he replaces you, replaces that heart. Yeah. He cleans the inside of the cup, and that makes the outside clean. Yeah, well, even um, we talked about it before the we noticed we weren't recording. Um, but <laughs> 26 minutes. <laughs> but in our other podcast with Pastor, um, we realized that he's been in the ministry, I think it was 29 years. It was longer than we've been alive, okay? Right. Been in the ministry for that long. And you can often look at other pastors or you can look at other elders in churches. Um, and you can ask yourself the question, why are they still in it? There's a man in our um, church named Wayne Bagley. And he doesn't get up and preach. He doesn't do anything like that. He doesn't lead a small group. He doesn't do anything like that. But he comes to every single work day and puts up drywall. Right. If there's anything ever broken in the church, he shows up. He was... In the war, he's a very he's 
I shouldn't say very old man. He's an elder in the church. He's an old. He's experienced. Yes, he's experienced. Seasoned. Yes. We worked on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, classes. Um, but he still continues to do that. And you can ask yourself, what causes someone to continue to do something like that? What causes a pastor to be in ministry for 29 years? Right. What causes a man that hasn't doesn't believe he's been called to preach, but believes that he has gifts that he can go and use at the yeah. church. Continue, he ministers with his gifts. Yes, yeah. continues to do that for his whole life so far. And it's that love and affection for Jesus Christ. I like the way you've got it written here. Their hearts are astounded at the continual love from Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. They have allowed themselves to become overwhelmed with the love of Christ recognizing what what a true sacrifice that is and it spurs them to action yeah what a great day it was for me when i simply partially grasped how much jesus loved me right and i believe that as i keep on going in my christian life i start to realize more and more how much he really does love me and every single time i learn it it's (laughs) this is going to sound dramatic but such a beautiful experience yeah, this, this is something I say a lot, right? Like back to the sort of the cup analogy. This is something I've said my my whole life, or at least in recent years. If we took time to understand just a little bit about this infinite God that we serve, our cup would be running over all the time and we couldn't help but share. Mm-hmm. That That has been a driver for me and really convicts me a lot of the time. When I'm not doing what I'm supposed to, I'm not sharing like I'm supposed to, it indicates to me that I have a lack of understanding of just how big God is and just how great the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was. Mm -hmm. God is so infinite. Paul even says, I don't have the words to describe him. And so if we just understood a a tiny portion of that infiniteness, infinite, (laughs) is that the word? Infinity, I think. Go with it. Then we, we would be overflowing all the time. Oh yeah, most definitely. Cause, um, uh, as you were saying, our new heart, when we receive our new heart, when we are born again and Christ starts that, starts that work from the inside out, what continues to make you to strive to continue in Christianity? Cause what you could do, you could accept Jesus Christ and not worry about it ever again. Right. I've been saved. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. But what causes you to keep striving after Christ is understanding and receiving the fullness of Jesus's love. When you understand exactly what God did by sending his son and what the son did by loving the father so much and loving you so much to come out of heaven. We got to think about that. He left heaven, right? came to earth, lived just like us, died on the cross for us, mm. even for those who reject him, even for those who were at that moment crucifying him, right? but still did it anyways. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Yeah, those were some of his last words, was forgiveness. Once we can understand it and receive it, we can then use it to drive us. It's like when you find yourself trying to make a decision between the world and Christ or between your flesh and the Spirit, remember his love and let that drive you to say no. It's hard to say no. I'm glad you said the word decision. Right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be an active choice, which brings us to a second point perfectly. You have to have a new mind. And this goes hand in hand with last week's podcast of just, or sanctification. Romans 8, 5 through 7. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. 
For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So it's a renewing of the heart. It's a renewing of the mind. It's making the active decisions to put away the things of the flesh. Because those that are carnally minded are minded after the flesh. Continually disappoint God for all of sin and falling short, right? But those that are spiritually minded can actually walk in his ways and do what he's asked us to do. It is life and peace. It's not only life, but it is peace. Even when things are rough, even when things aren't going your way, it, it, is, it is so separate from the world that the conditions outside of that spiritual mind don't matter. Mm. You still have life and you still have peace. And to be carnally minded is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of the God, neither can it be, or neither, neither indeed can be. It's, it is not even subject to the law of God because that sin, that carnal mindedness is so far away from what holiness is. Yeah. It, it, is, it is so far removed. Those things, are, those things can't even exist in the same place. And so that's why when we sin, it, it has to be this active choice to step out of that sin. We've, we've been given a new heart. Our affections have been turned toward the Lord. Hopefully, I hope. Yeah. And you've been given this understanding of what Christ's sacrifice on the cross really meant. Now you have to make active choices to step out of that carnal mindedness. Yeah, and the reason why it ties in, the new mind ties in with sanctification. Sanctification is the process, right? Trust right. the process, Joel Embiid, right? Yeah. Um, so trust the you process. Have to die daily. Yeah. And so um, in that process, the reason why it is a process with your mind is because your mind has pathways in it. Um, I once wrote a paper on pornography and the pathways that it creates um, in your mind. When um, you go to certain things when you're stressed, you go to certain things when you're happy, you go to certain things when you're sad, um, and those create those pathways in your mind. So your whole life living as a sinner, you've created pathways in your brain and in your mind of this is what you run to in these certain situations. Mm -hmm. And so when you are given a new heart and then given a new mind, you have to create those new pathways. It's, it's just like walking in the woods. Um, a lot of people walk on the trail that's already been walked on. Right. Um, but someone had to start walking that trail to make it a trail. Now, when you are given that new mind, you have to start walking in these new pathways because if not, you're automatically going to go back to the path that you were used to walking in. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so important that you are given a new mind is because you are freed from those old paths. Those old paths would never take you to where you were actually trying to get to. Yeah. This new mind... This new path takes you exactly where you need to go, and that's to Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't think that the Lord does anything by accident. Mm-hmm. So just taking a look at how our physical bodies, our hearts and minds are set up. So the heart is, without it, and without the heart and without the mind, the body can't function. So remember that for just a second. You need both at the same time. <laughs> Got to have both. Um, to the heart, the pathways, except for a, little, a few twists and turns, are straight and narrow. It, your vascular system, your veins, all that, capillaries, the whole nine yards. The brain is folded. It's full of folds. It's this windy, twisty pathway. If you're getting lost in your head and you're not making these right decisions, you're creating these other pathways with the, the things of the world, you're filling your, these pathways with things of the world, it's easy to get twisted around. When you're thinking with the heart that Christ has replaced in you, it's a lot easier to find the straight and narrow. Yeah. It's one of those things that 
to me is very revelatory of God's intelligent design. And the reason that the Bible uses these words, carnally minded, new heart, it, it's a very clear indication of the intent, which was use the thing I gave you, use the thing that has leads to the straight and narrow to control the thing that is, was once carnally minded, was twisty and windy, that you can get lost in so easily. One thing that I, I hate to see is people getting so stressed out about what they think other people think. It's so easy to just get lost in our in our heads. I don't want to do this because so and so is going to think that. You are getting stressed out about what you think they think. Yeah, it's just it it, it just to me shows the ease with which we can get lost in our own minds. Anyway, a little bit of a rabbit trail. Yeah, yeah no, but what you're saying is good because you even kind of alluded to it. Of um, the Bible says a double minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Absolutely, and what that's talking about is someone whose heart is going after the Spirit, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. And their mind is going after their flesh. Right. Someone who is half the time going after the flesh and half the time going after spirit, you're unstable in all of your ways. You're an unstable man. You're an unstable woman. Um, so what has to happen is your new heart and your new mind are given. And when it's given to you, they are in one accord. When you accept right. Jesus Christ, you are starting off in one accord. It's kind of like in a race. You're getting a really good st- head start. They're in one accord. Now what you have to do is continue in one accord to continue after Christ. Right. What the devil wants to do, it's like I sometimes feel like the devil's like, you know what? I lost the war over you. You accepted Christ, so you want you're going to heaven. So that part is over. Sure. God won that war. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to win as many battles as possible to make sure you do the least amount possible for Christ. Absolutely. So he's going to he can't have your heart anymore. So what is he going to attack? Your mind. Right. He's going to attack your mind. He can't have your heart. Christ has your heart, so he's going to attack your mind. It's extremely important that we attack our mind. And what I think is also kind of sad is that there are, um, as this verse, verses we're saying in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 7, is that there are some already dead. Right. Their mind and their spirit are already dead. They're living after the things of the flesh. And they have no idea. They don't know. Um, this is something that I was thinking, too. So in going back to how the heart and the mind are represented and how you need both to be in one accord to be effective for the kingdom. Without the heart, there is no life. So if your heart hasn't been renewed, there is no, there's no life, right? Without the brain, there's no action. There's no motion. You can be brain dead and not move. If, you're, if your heart's not working, you are dead. You won't <laughs> move either way. But, but the heart pumps the life and the brain drives the action. That's why it's so important for your head and your heart to be in one accord because you have to love the Lord and be attuned to him. And there are many Christians that do, but their minds aren't right, so they're not acting. When, you're, when your mind is right, you act. Your mind could be in the right place. There are a lot of people that know about Christ and are good at serving in the church, but their hearts aren't with him. So they're not, they're not living eternally. They're not saved. And so you have to have both. Sorry. Yeah, no, and I think... Um, something we talked about the teenagers on Wednesday nights, we're going over the parables that Jesus taught. Um, and what he's talking about, the very first parable in Matthew chapter five, he's talking about the salt. We are to be the salt and the light. If right. you are a Christian, you are to be the salt and the light to the rest of the world. Now the salt preserves the corruption and the light is like a guide. It can be a guide. It can be something like a on a lighthouse. It's a safe Harbor for these ships to come in in the right. middle of a storm. 
Um, that's what he's calling us to be. And then he goes on to say, and if you don't do these things, he says, if salt, the salt that has lost its savor is rendered pointless. Right. It is pointless. Yeah. And so if we are Christians. The light that's put under a basket is and, also pointless. <laughs> yes. It is of no use. Yeah. Um, if we as Christians are not following in our new mind and our new heart and being what Christ wants us to be, this is harsh. But it's point. It's pointless. Yeah. It's kind of like in baseball. If you have somebody in center field and the ball gets hit right to him, and he just watches it fall right beside him, the guy from right field has to run all the way over, grab the ball, throw it into home. Yeah. Everybody would boo that center fielder and say he is pointless being out there. Take him out and put somebody else in. You might as well have no one there at all. Yeah. You might right. as well have no one there at all. That that's the thing too. And and this is something it took me a long time to understand. But about the light being hid under a basket, a lot of the times when we hide our lights under a basket, it's because we're trying to stay safe. Mm-hmm. The Christian life is not one of safety. It's one of being bold and being, being seen by people that you might not want to see you, but it's the light of Christ that you're trying to exude. Right. And so, it, you know, as the word says, a city on a hill can't be hidden. We've been set on this hill. We've been called to this higher standard where we're supposed to be living and our lights are supposed to shine. But again, if we've lost our salt and we're not willing to show that light for our own safety, we're trying to get wrapped up in our own peace and our own safety, we're useless. Right. And to tie that back in with our points, that, that happens by in one accord, not being double-minded, but in one accord, living in our new heart and right. our new mind. Um, and the next point that we had um, going into it, and Joe Michael, you can read the verses again, but going into our new identity. So this right. is the third point out of the four. Um, we have our new heart that is given to us. We have our new mind. So we're born again. And then we are also given a new identity. Right. Galatians 2.20. Therefore, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So, What's been given cannot be taken away. Mm. You have been given a new heart, a new mind, and now a new identity. We are being identified with Christ, even though we did not sacrifice any of those things. But God identifies us with the Son. Dead, our sin is dead, and raised again, raised in newness of life with him on the third day. And yet, nevertheless, I live so I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. The old me is crucified and dead. Dead and gone. And I get to live this life in, 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 in a totally new manner, just as Christ rose again and lived again on the third day. Mm-hmm. But not me. It's Christ that lives in me. When God looks at us uh, and at the end of our lives, he's not going to see us. He's going to see his son perfect and blameless and that is more than we could have ever asked for and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me not only are we being identified with Christ we get to live this life by faith casting our cares on the Lord who loved us from the beginning and gave himself for us that is if that doesn't spur you to action, mm-hmm. I don't know what would. Yes. Some, One of my someone favorite verses. created you. You spat in the face of that creator. He loved you enough to die for you and give you 
not only a second chance at this life, but eternal life in heaven with him. Yeah. Unfathomable. Oh, 100%. And that's with that new identity. There are things in your life that can be taken away, and there's things in your life that can't be taken away. And when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, for the rest of your life, for the rest of the time that you can breathe, that your mind and your heart, that your heart is pumping for the rest of your life until you meet God. And even till through that, the things that can't be taken away, if you have Jesus in you, is one Jesus Christ. Your salvation cannot be taken away. Your relationship with God the Son and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit cannot be taken away. There is nothing you can do to have your salvation taken away. The only things that you can lose are fleshly things. 100%. They're earthly things. And if, you, if your heart and your mind are in one accord, geared toward the salvation that you've received, those things won't matter. Right. And so we also have our grace and mercy that can't be taken away. Right. Jesus Christ is an ambassador for us to the Father, which is God. So The intercessor. Yes. Yeah, so Jesus Christ pleads our case to God. Jesus Christ, I explained to the teenagers like this, he is our lawyer to God. Because of our sins, we deserve the wrath of God. But Jesus Christ, because he died for us, sees our sins and has mercy and shows compassion to us and goes to his Father and pleads our case before the Father, and then God shows grace and mercy. So, as the verse was saying, I am crucified with Christ. So who you were was crucified with Christ, who I was was crucified with Christ. And that can't be taken away. There's nothing the devil can do about it. There's nothing family, co-workers, teammates, there's nothing anybody can do about it. It can't be taken away. Yeah, please don't miss this. The struggles that you go through in life can't overcome your salvation. Mm. The struggles that you go through in life cannot overcome the grace and mercy that you've received from the Lord. The struggles and the pain that you go through are not punishment. It's a refining of the gold in the fire. Those things are, are a reminder of where your trust and your affection should lie. When things on this earth get taken away from you, we've all been there. I was in a car wreck last week. I love my car. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be able to drive it again. I loved it too. <laughs> but that, in the grand scheme of things, does not matter. Mm-hmm. Not even a little bit. Because I've been given this incredible gift that actually does matter and should spur me to put my trust in the Lord and not in my vehicle. Yeah, so those are things that can't be taken away. Those are your new identity. When you have Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ becomes your new identity. But what can be taken away? Let's talk about that for a little bit. What can be taken away is it usually starts with I am. So I am an athlete. I am a, a vocalist. I am a teacher. I am a business person i am successful all those things can be taken away in an instant i hate to go this deep but i am a father sure i am a mother yeah i am a child i am a grandparent i am etc etc i can go on forever when you're when you are wrapping up your identity this new identity is it should be separate from the world Mm -hmm. when you're still trying to wrap up your identity in the things of this world you gotta learn a hard lesson we we've all been there Jacob and I have been there. The things that we used to put our identity in, even after being saved, gone. Stuff that we we can't get back. But the joy of it is, the beauty of it is, 
that we've been given a new identity in Christ. And those things leaving our lives aren't punishment. It's just a reminder of that. Oh, yeah. Your identity is in me. And the things that I would have you do are wrapped up in that identity. Yeah, and you... It usually takes that thing being taken away for you to realize that it was your identity. Mm. Very few people are self-aware enough to look at themselves and say, you know what? I'm way too wrapped up in this. Right. You, you usually can't tell it until you end up not starting on a team. And all of a sudden your whole world is over. Yeah. Or you lose your job and you think the whole world is coming to an end. Right. Um, that's usually when you can start to see what things represents you and what things you think that you are and what your identity is. If your identity is starting with, I am this and not Jesus Christ is this, then you have your identity in the wrong thing. And again, this comes down to having your head and your heart in one accord, right? Your heart can say, I love you, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I'm there. Mm -hmm. But your mind can still be saying, I'm this, I'm that, I'm doing this. These are my plans for that. Those two things have to become in one accord. You have to realize You've given me a new heart. You've given me a new mind. Let me get wrapped up in that. Yeah, and I think one of the greatest examples we have of this in the New Testament is Paul. Whenever you see Paul starting the letter, now there are other books out there that we're not sure if Paul wrote or not, but um, when we know that Paul wrote the book, he starts off the letter with one of these sayings, Paul, an apostle of Christ. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Right. Paul, a blank of Jesus Christ. Paul, a blank of Jesus Christ. He says, I am Paul, and this is who I am, a servant of Jesus Christ, an right. apostle of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ, a leader in Christ. And that's exactly what our new identity is, is we are this in Christ. Per- perfect example using Paul. It brings us to point four, a new representation. Our new identity should cause us to represent something other than what we were representing before. And whether you knew it or not, if you're not representing Christ, you are representing sin. Mm-hmm. You there's are, no 50-50 there is no 50-50 you are representing the, the devil himself you are representing the things of this world and those things are inherently by nature anti-God mm-hmm. so coming into that new identity is such an incredible thing because now we're pro-God and that that is far better <laughs> than, than anything else um, you no longer represent what you used to and I listed a few of those things uh, but it brings us back to the first verse 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, including your representation. Yeah, so um, you no longer represent what you used to be. You are no longer defined by your sin. No matter how many times the devil tries to bring it back up, you are no longer defined by the sin. Paul himself even writes that the devil would bring back who he used to be, and he was haunted by what he used to be. In the verse, and I love it. Old things are passed away, so you have Dead. to put the past away. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you're no longer defined by, or you no longer, this is a better way to say it, you're no longer representing sin. Right. You're no longer representing the devil. You're no longer representing yourself. You're no longer representing an organization. You don't represent those things. When you become a child of God, and you go out in your every day, you are no longer representing the things of the world. You are now representing Jesus Christ. And that's what we, we said this every week. It comes up every week. <laughs> and this is something I don't want you to miss because I think the Lord's trying to hammer it home. For the believer, the non-believer doesn't read the scriptures. They read you. You are supposed to be, at least you are supposed to be. You might not be, but you're supposed to be a representation of Christ. 
So by taking on that new identity, by saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, you are not representing, like Jacob said, your company, your sports team, your school anymore. You're representing Christ. And the people that are needing that will look at your life and see, try to see what Christ is all about. Try to gather that from your actions. So it's very, very important to remember that you're representing Christ. Yeah, even, I'm going to try this reading thing out. So 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God to beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Now there could be a whole other message about being reconciled to God. Amen. But the very beginning of that is, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. That word ambassador means representative. We are supposed to represent Christ and every single thing that we do. So what you used to represent, you no longer represent. So you have a whole new representation of your life, what you live for. It's no longer about you. It's all about Christ. Right. This is the last point we're going to close here. If you really want to have a new heart, new mind, be a new creature, be a new, have a new representation, if you believe all those things, you have to live as though you have actively been forgiven. Mm. You are being forgiven constantly because human beings are so imperfect that we can't, we can't go a day. We can't go three hours <laughs> unless you're sleeping. Yeah. And even then, sometimes no. <laughs> yeah. You can't go three hours without sinning. We just can't do it. So you have to recognize that. Yes, I am a bad person. <laughs> I'm just not it. I will never be all that Jesus Christ is to me, I will never be what God is. Not a chance. I have trouble just just being like my parents, just being like other spiritual leaders in my life. I can't even get there. But if I'm living as though I've actively been forgiven, those things can you can you can have victory over those things. Those things can be put away. And when you do stumble and fall, there's still forgiveness, grace, and mercy for that. And you take those struggles, and they uniquely qualify you to help others that are going through the same thing. God will take you out of those struggles. And when he does, when you finally get victory over them, you are, are, like I said, uniquely qualified to help others. Right. We need to, in closing, live in the fullness of being a new creation. You have been born again. Live with that new heart. Live with that new mind. Live in that new identity and represent something new in Christ, who you are in Christ. And the only way to do that to be one in, and to, is to be one in one accord right. and to live in forgiveness, actively live in forgiveness. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, this has been 3790 After Dark. I'm your host, John Booth, here with Jacob Grinstead. Mm-hmm. We will see you on the next episode.